John chapter 2 and just deal with what God's laid on my heart for this morning. John chapter 2. John chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. John chapter 2 and verse 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Let me just stop, because that language you may not understand. A firkin is about nine gallons, so these pots could hold 20 to 30 gallons of water. Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And saith unto him, every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. He clarifies this being the beginning of miracles. Thank God they haven't ended. We know where his ministry started in the area of miracles, but he still performs miracles today. Now, just a few things I want to call your attention to, just some simple thoughts. And uh, you you pray real hard, I'll preach real fast, and we'll all go home happy. How's that sound? I want you to notice something to begin with. This chapter, this miracle almost seems out of place when you read it. The book of John is different than any of the other gospel writers. He writes from a perspective and a depth that goes so far beyond my ability to try to even reach the depths that John was capable of recording. But you're in chapter two, the beginning of the miracles. Chapter one, is so different. Chapter one is all about Christ and his deity and divinity. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God. We see the supernatural son of God in chapter one. And really it's God manifest in the flesh for the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of the only begotten of the father. So it's all about eternity's path. No no genealogy, no discussion of heritage. Just in the beginning was the word. He was already there 
and now they see the word manifest in flesh. It's all about God's supernatural ability and the manifestation of Christ with his supernatural abilities. But then when you get to chapter two, you're not in a supernatural environment. It's like it changes gears. It's something very natural. It's a wedding. So here is Jesus, the one in chapter one that sits on the circle of the earth that created all things, that, that was responsible for everything that we call life, that had all power and all ability. Here he is, hanging out at a wedding. His disciples with him. Do you see the contrast? We ought to be thankful that the supernatural understands the natural. Amen. The God of the universe also cares about our daily life and what we go through. Everyday things that happen, he cares about that. So even though he has all power in the first chapter, in the second chapter, he still says, I'm not so far above you that I can't sit with you, help you, minister to you, be with you. He's there at this wedding feast. And then along comes his mother. Mary says, they have no wine. They have no wine. You know that's the problem with the world today. They have no wine. The wedding's going on. I don't know how long it went. Sometimes we know historically these wedding feasts would go for days, last for days. But they got to the place where they needed wine and there was no wine. Oh, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. When I say the world has no wine and they need wine, it's not the same wine that you're thinking about. It's a different kind of wine. It's the kind of wine that when the disciples experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and they saw them, they supposing them to be drunken with wine, but instead they told them of a new wine. And now he says, be not, be not drunken with wine wherein is excess, but rather be you filled with the Spirit. And do you know what the world doesn't have? They have no wine. Oh, they have stuff. They have all kinds of stuff. They have all kinds of things. They have all kinds of pleasure. They have all kinds of fun. They have all kinds of entertainment. They have all kinds of money. They have all kinds of homes and they have bank accounts and they have prestige and power and position, but they don't have any wine. I'm glad when I came to this service this morning, doesn't matter how I feel, doesn't matter what's going on in anybody else's life, thank God I've still got wine. And do you know it is a shame that people go to church week after week and the pulpit, there's no wine flowing from the pulpit. There's no wine flowing from the songs. There's no wine flowing from the teaching. Folks, we need the presence and power of the Holy Ghost. We have what the world needs they have no wine empty nothing and she comes and presents it and she says uh, they have no wine she must have expected him 
to do something. But it's almost like she came at the wrong time. Because if you read it the way that I read it, he didn't even call her mother. He says, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. It's like her timing was off. Has your timing ever been off? Sometimes you have good intention, you're trying to do the right thing, but it's just not the right time. And it's almost like the timing is off. I think you need to notice something. We ought to thank God that we serve a savior that operates on a schedule. There is a schedule with with the savior. He has a certain schedule that he's trying to follow. He goes from one event to the other and he's saying, now's not the time for that to happen. Timing is everything with God. You know what I'm saying by that. You don't get saved when you want to get saved. There's a timing with God. No man cometh unto the Father except his Father that sent him. Jesus said, draw him. There's a time when the Holy Spirit does a work in your life. You better not miss that time. When God calls you and draws you, you better follow that time. And he has a series of events that's to occur at a certain time. I don't know what it is, but he's got a schedule. That's why so many people can't see miracles come in their life because they get out of schedule with God. He's got a time for all things. He has a time for this message to be preached. He has a time for you to be in his prayer. He has a time to fulfill your need. He doesn't just operate saying, I wonder what I'll do today. Thank God for a God that tells me there is a time for everything, a season for everything, a purpose for everything. We may not see it, but it's in his time. But also I'm glad that the God that follows a schedule and regards time, every now and then will break his own rules. Not my time, but I'll do it anyway. Not my time, but I'll go ahead and grant the miracle now. Sometimes God will break his own rules just to bless you. He suddenly says, now's the time. Hey, listen, folks, you may feel like that you're going through everything in the world all at one time and you don't see how you're gonna get through it or how you're gonna make it, but I wanna tell you something. Your time is coming. In his time, he does all that. There's certain times. There's times that God raises up. There's times that God sits down. There's times that God brings sorrow. There's times that God brings joy. There's, there's times that God does things greater than we could ever imagine. And I wanna tell you something. When it's your time, there's nothing gonna stop you. Don't let anybody hinder you. When it's your time, you just go ahead and you praise God anyway. They don't understand it. She looked at that saying, I know what you're saying, but thank God for people that'll go beyond the answer of no. She, he said, mine hour's not yet. I don't know how you take that. I take that as a no. Woman? Only Jesus could call his mother woman. Don't call your mama woman. 
She's your mother. Jesus knew what he's doing is teaching a spiritual lesson here. But yet, she knew he'd never done it before. She'd never seen it done before. But something in her said he can do it. Just because you haven't seen it and just because he hasn't done it for you before doesn't mean that he can't do it. He can still do it. Now you would have thought after that he said that, I would have taken that as a no. But instead, she just turns around and acts like he's not even there. She's, it's almost like I'm not speaking to you anymore. She addresses the servants and says, you listen to me, whatever he says to do, do it. She wouldn't take no for an answer. Do you know sometimes you've gotta get persistent with God and say, Lord, I'm gonna keep coming back and I'm gonna keep coming back and I'm gonna keep coming back. It didn't happen today, but I'm gonna believe it to happen tomorrow. And if it doesn't happen tomorrow, I'm gonna believe it to happen next week. And if it doesn't happen next week, I'm gonna believe it to happen next month. I'm telling you, don't stop. And she says, whatever he says do, do it. And they obeyed. They filled the water pots with water. If it was 30 gallon, that'd be 180 gallon of water. That's a lot of water. See, miracles come about through taking leadership, refusing to say no, but being obedient to the directions. Sometimes you just gotta obey when you don't see anything that shows any evidence that that's what it is, but you still have to obey God and take him and his word. So she's, she's following now by obedience. And she said, if you want to see this miracle, you're going to have to obey everything that he tells you to do. He said, fill the water pots with water. Go ahead and fill the water. Each one of them was the equivalent of a purification bath for a Hebrew person, a Jewish person. Each one had enough water in it to take a bath in. <laughs> it is working, isn't it? Oh, I'm sorry, you're sleeping right now. Didn't mean to awaken you. <laughs> he said, go ahead, fill it. Notice what he said, fill it to the brim. See, here's where we're wrong in the church world. We come to church, we rush through life, we drag through life under pressure, come in late, sit down tired, haven't prayed, haven't sought God, sit down, look up, and say to the singers and to the preachers, bless me if you can. When really what you ought to do is come to church filled to the brim. Do you know why you need to be filled to the brim? If you get something filled to the brim, it only takes one drop to make it overflow. That way everything is good. If you just hear one thing that you agree with, that's all it takes for you to praise God. If you come to church this morning, feel that. And by the way, if you didn't come for it shows on you too. But I'm glad that I travel around with some people that still believe in a way that it's okay to get full of the spirit every now and then. And there's nothing wrong with praising God. I come to church saying, Lord, I'm full. All it's gonna take is one drop to make me overflow. Filled to the brim. 
He said, pour it out. That's amazing. Now, I used to think that the miracle, that the miracle was in the end of this story. But really, this miracle has a miracle within the miracle. What's the chances of having six water pots that size right where you need it when you need it? What's the chances of that? See, before he ever got there, he had already orchestrated everything until there would be just enough water pots and they'd be just in the right place. Wouldn't do any good if they were a city away. They'd had to go and get them and brought them back. They were right there. They were empty because if they filled them with water, they didn't have anything in them. He sent what was needed to hold the miracle before he ever gave the miracle. How do you know God's getting ready to help you and meet your need or perform a miracle in life? He'll start sending you things that you need before that miracle ever comes. He'll put it all in place for you to put it all together that you don't even realize what's happening at that point, but he's getting it all organized, getting it all together so that everything that he needs is right there. He brings it all together and then the vessel is there for him to be able to pour into. Do you know that God has already prepared everything that you need for him to feel you today. He's brought the vessel to this place. He's given you what you need. And now he's given the command. All you have to do is just obey. He said, fill it full of water. They fill the pots full of water. And then came the transformation. It was one substance and it became something totally different. You do know that water is not wine. And you do know that wine is not water. So he took one thing and made it something completely different. The Lord has a way of taking one person and when he gets through with you, you're something completely different. You're not what you used to be. There is such a difference in your life and such a change in your life. Everything is changed when he's finished with you. Now listen, listen, here it is. You ready? Let's see, you, you, and you see me after, you're the only ones ready. (laughs) I've read this text, I'm not kidding you, I've read this text in the past week or so, I've read it at least, at least 50 times, that's not an exaggeration, at least 50 times looking, and I couldn't find it. When did the change come? It was water when it was in the pot. When the vessels had the water in it, it was water. I believe somewhere between it being water and the governor drinking it, it changed. When did the change come? Well, 
You can't pinpoint a moment, but remember it's his time. There would be no miracle to it if they would have seen it and rejoiced and then taken it. No, I think this whole thing is a thing of obedience and it's called faith. I think that when it was in the pot, it was water. When they put it into the serving vessels, it was water. Now they're going to the most powerful person that they can go to at that wedding feast and they're going to pour out something and call it wine when it looks like water. But by the time it touched his lips, it was wine. So somewhere between dipping it out and somewhere between him drinking it, the water was changed to wine. And then it dawned on me, it was at the pouring out. That's when the miracle comes, it's at the pouring out. Why was that ointment so special? When she anointed Jesus, she was pouring out the ointment on him. She was pouring it out. And I'm here to tell you, if you wanna go home empty today, don't pour out anything on Jesus. But if you've come to this place to say, Lord, I'm expecting great things from you and I need your presence. If you start pouring out your praise and you start pouring out the goodness of the Lord to and you start pouring out the word of God. By the time he's finished with it, it's more than just words and it's more than just motion. When we start to pour out, there's a change. You're a sinner today? Come and pour your heart out to God. I'll guarantee you, you'll leave a different person. Something about pouring ourselves out that makes the difference. I almost, uh, I almost called for backup today. I preached so my throat is gone, my voice is gone. And I said this morning, I'm not gonna have enough voice to preach. But something down in my spirit said, you pour it out, I'll take care of the rest. And, and I hate to tell you this, but my voice is getting stronger right now. And I think the more I pour out, I think God's gonna bless it. We're here at a place where you gotta say, I might be down right now, but sooner or later, the world's gonna realize what they need we have. And the world says, you've lost your mind. You're crazy for following Jesus. But sooner or later, they're gonna come to us and they're gonna say, I know you have what I need. Thank God we'll be able to pour out and tell them, yes, we know the answer, and his name is Jesus. Pour out. Pour out. Do you know what's killing churches in America today? Everybody takes in. Nobody pours out. You have to pour out. You have to pour it out. If you don't pour it out, then nothing is going to happen. But when you pour out and it's your time, it's unbelievable what God can do. You gotta pour it out. You gotta pour it out.
hatred, bitterness, envy, pour it out. Sin, habits, addiction, pour it out. Weakness, lack of faith, pour it out. You've got to get to the place where you're going to say, Lord, you can't use me and you can't bless me until I obey you and I pour it out.